1: Fortunately, you come home each day to open arms, open cans, a drink waiting for you, and a comfortable place in front of a TV set. You know you've got it good. Really good. Because after all, it's a doggy dog world out there. Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with your host, pet expert, and award winning author, Liz Palaika, and this week's co hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke.
2: Hi, welcome to It's a Doggy Dog World. I'm your host, Liz Palaika, with my good friends Petra Burke. Hello. And Kate Abbott. How do? And we're gonna talk about one of our favorite subjects, as regular listeners know, and that's dog training. Dog training can be very, very easy or it can be incredibly difficult. And trying to figure out how to approach it for each individual dog can be a little bit of a challenge. So we're going to talk about some different aspects of training today. So hold on, take a listen to our sponsors, and we'll be right back.
1: Sit. Stay. It's a doggy dog world. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact.
0: Enter the code DOGGY, D-O-G-G-Y, and save 10% on orders of $65 or more, plus free shipping at Petco.com.
2: I play tennis because I love to, but inside, I want to win. Take away the court, the net. I might not be a player, but I'll always be a competitor. Betty Foot Locker understands that. Lady Foot Locker, the first to carry Adidas off-court shoes and the gear that goes with them. If you play your best, there's no regret. Lady Foot Locker, one place, every woman.
0: Go to ladyfootlocker.com and enter the code AFDOG1LF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFDOG2LF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at LadyFootLocker.com. How would you
2: like your business
0: to reach out and invite in our audience?
2: We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. is the best, most cost-effective way to invite
0: us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website
1: PetLifeRadio.com
0: Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoC. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available.
1: Good boy. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're begging for more. So back to It's a Doggy Dog World with your fetching hosts, Liz Palaika and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra
3: Burke.
2: Welcome back to It's a Doggy Dog World. So Kate, you had a call today
3: that basically got us thinking about tonight's show oh i just my mind was going all different directions at the same time which is not unusual um gonna say, and yeah that now, day. now 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 <laughs> a woman called about a behavioral consultation or training consultation she uh it's got about an 18 month old mixed breed mid-sized dog and uh just moved into the area and it uh She says that uh, when out on a walk, the dog barks frantically and lunges at other dogs, but is really trying to get the other dog's attention. There is no aggression that if she's allowed to go up to the other dog, she lays down, rolls over, plays. It's just she must be, the other dog must actually notice her and do something. If she's not allowed to go over to the other dog, she will continue to bark and have a fit for quite a while even after the dog is out of sight. So I'm thinking, you know, okay, adolescent, uh, probably a little spoiled, retired couple. And they had just moved to this area and were referred to me by a veterinarian. In the course of the conversation, she had said that they had been to at least three other trainers where they lived previously and sort of described the different training techniques that the different trainers had tried and then metaphorically threw her hands up and said, But none of that has worked. My dog still does it and it's driving me crazy and it's very embarrassing.
2: So my first thought is one, has she followed through with any of those techniques? Right. Or was she looking for a magic wand and mm-hmm. when they didn't work right away, she mm. gave up and went to another trainer. Yeah. Yeah, try it for two days. I'm like, eh, it's mm. not working. Because as we know, there's no magic mm. wand. We tried to get one at Disneyland and it didn't work. <laughs>
3: So she was asking me if I would guarantee that I could help her fix the dog's problem. And I said, no, I don't make guarantees. I said, I will give you, you know, my observations, my experience, my knowledge, and after meeting the dog, my read, but um, it'll be up to you to follow through with my suggestions. So that was one of the first things. Yes, is she actually giving each technique a try? Some of them I didn't agree with. Some of them I thought perhaps could have worked if she had better timing. And again, without seeing her, I don't know. Um, it made me think: they're, they're going, picking a dog trainer to work with is almost like picking a therapist, because there's so many different styles. You've got to find the style that works for you. But that got me off on the other tangent of at least train, don't just manage. Right. 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 The last trainer she went to seems to have left her with management mode, putting the dog on a head halter and just. Holding the head up, even though she's frustrated and screaming and carrying on. Visually blocking the other dog. And then when the dog leaves, just walking on, even though she's still having a fit. Which, to me, I can just see the dog getting more frustrated. There's not Mm -hmm. enough active teaching there. There's just managing.
2: Well, I had that same talk with our fourth week basic obedience class in class last night. In teaching the heel, walking on a leash nicely. Several of the people had the leash pulled so tight that they were trying to power steer the dog, Mm -hmm. which of course causes the dog to tighten up the neck and shoulders, lean into the leash and pull even more, rather than using their training skills to teach the dog to walk nicely next to them. So again, I brought Bashir out off leash, had him heel off leash and said, if you try to manage by holding the dog tight, you're never going to get this. You're never going to be able to teach your dog to walk nicely off leash because he's always going to be depending on pulling on that leash. You've got to teach the dog how to walk with you, which means walk nicely next to you with a loose leash. By his choice. By his choice, so that the dog wants to walk with you. And then explain that's the difference between teaching the dog, training him, or managing him
3: by simply holding him there. And Sometimes we see that with the little bitty ones. It's just easier to pick them up and carry them rather sure. than teach them. Exactly. Sure. Um, and then with the big ones, I think people get so worried that they do keep them tight. Um, but whatever reason, you're not. One of my favorite sayings is that self control is not an easy concept for two legged or four legged. Right. But that's what teaching and dog training is all about. Teaching these critters to have enough self-control to make the decision to listen to what we're asking them to do. Right. That just, that takes practice. That takes good timing. It takes finding. And And then talking with her, I was realizing we didn't have the same vocabulary. Right. So she kept talking about having the lead was making it easier for her to manage, but she felt stuck there. And it took about five minutes to finally figure out that what she was calling the lead was a gentle leader head halter. Oh. Oh. See?
4: See? (laughs) Okay. I'm thinking lead, maybe she's English or something. Leash, exactly. Or then going, having a lead. Okay, maybe she's forcing her dog behind her and she's taking the lead. The lead?
3: The the leader of uh, the pack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So uh, there was, you know, five, six minutes there of just trying to define our different vocabularies. Mm. What was she talking about? Well, then that could also be... Part of her
4: three trainers helping her. She, th- again, your vocabulary. There's the reading out of this book, and she's in this book, and it's, it's not the communication's not there with her, not
2: understanding. And that's one thing we've talked about in the past too, both here at Kindred Spirits, mm-hmm. and I think on previous podcasts, is people can read too much, can watch too many DVDs, can visit too many trainers. Mm-hmm and get both themselves and their dogs totally confused. I've seen it? Yeah. And and I mean every individual trainer is not right for every person. But there is a trainer out there who you will feel comfortable with or whose technique you'll feel comfortable with. But don't go bouncing from trainer to trainer to trainer and read umpteen zillion books. Even though I'm a book author, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't read umpteen <clears throat> zillion books. And don't watch a zillion different DVDs because, yes, you can pull something out of every one. But when you're in the beginning stages of training, you're going to be so confused. And your dog is going to be confused when you're trying to implement all these different things. And it's just going to make it harder. I think the important thing is to find a technique that you're comfortable with. Watch the trainer's classes or read the book or watch the DVD. Be comfortable with that technique and then follow that technique but don't bounce around here there and everywhere
4: well then you when you follow the technique don't try it for 2 3 days and go okay it's not working let me try something else yeah, you've got to you've try got it to for give, yeah. longer
2: than that you've got to give it a good chance. 2 or 3 months is a good good unless it just plain within a few weeks you realize you simply cannot do it if it's too complicated or
3: or making the problem worse. it's making mm-hmm. the problem worse You know,
2: then, but at least give it a couple, two or three weeks.
3: Right. Sometimes we end up with the dogs that have been bounced to so many techniques, they've learned extinction burst habits. Yes. Mm -hmm. So let's do some vocabulary. That means when you're trying to change a behavior, especially when you're trying to change someone else's behavior, not your own. Right. And then just before that behavior change occurs, there's this desperate need to hang on to the original behavior even harder whether it's conscious or not. So one example that I love to use is uh, you're driving down the street in your car and you want to come to a stop, so you put your foot on the brake. And, oh my gosh, your car doesn't slow down at all. Very few people will immediately just take their foot off the brake and go, huh, that didn't work, I'll try something else. Our immediate gut response is to push on that. This always works. And also you're pumping the brakes, yeah, you're, for example, yep. You're hitting it harder yep. and more often. And yeah. you're just going, that well, this has got to work. This has always worked in the past.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: That's the burst of activity that happens just before the brain goes, well, all right, it's not working this time. Let's figure out something else. And I see that in dogs, especially if they've been taken up to that burst of activity and then backed off before they're allowed to change, or before they're helped to change, they've just learned that sometimes the brakes need to be really pumped hard in order to keep doing what they want.
2: I think when the dog hits that burst of activity, the owner goes, oh my gosh, this isn't working, and loses it's faith. It's actually worse. Right. Loses right. faith in the training method. Mm-hmm. And we try to warn people in our classes that this can happen. And in fact, on the fourth or fifth week of class sometimes the dogs do regress mm-hmm. they hit that learning plateau and they go well wait a minute first and second week of class were a lot of fun we got lots of coochie coos lots of trees lots of good boys but hey now you're asking me to do some stuff i didn't have to do before
3: consistently uh,
2: yeah consistently yeah. i gotta sit for everything huh i'm not real happy about that and so they have a regression
3: that's a little bit of a pout. Sometimes we get some active temper tantrums, mm-hmm. especially the dogs that have been training their owners very well yes. and succeeding at that. They don't want to extinguish that behavior. Yeah, right. They like being in charge. Right. And unfortunately, that's too often the time when people start coming to class. Right. Is they've waited until they've got now problem behaviors. Right.
4: Which I think is another call you or email you said you got today as well. Like, Adolescents. And what was their, their sentence? I think we're ready for class. Yes. <laughs> and you've been dealing with them for how many months prior? And all of a sudden, months. <laughs> now they're ready. So something
3: happened. Yeah. So they're already at this brink, both probably yeah. them and the puppy dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I do love the puppy classes a chance to get in there early, set up good habits mm-hmm. for both the humans and the dogs. So it's not. Well, this particular one came to puppy
2: class with us but then didn't follow through with the uh, training. Sure. And now the dog is 15 months old and in adolescence, and sounds like they didn't continue the training at all. And he's now in charge.
3: You know, <laughs> there are times when I'm having to put a new collar on a puppy dog to get them to pay attention or do something with them, and they'll have a temper tantrum. And I just look at them and I go, you're absolutely right. You have been lied to for the last 15 months of your life. Mm-hmm. and But now these are the new rules. Right. And I'm going to make it as nice for you to follow these new rules as possible, but this is the way it is. Right. Mm-hmm. But I feel for them because they're like, I've always pushed on the brake pedal and that worked. Yeah. Right. And but this, that was a lie. I'm sorry. And this
2: one, especially the 15-month-old, is lunging and snapping at children. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to have to intervene and get control of this dog, explain to him he has been lied to, mm-hmm. because otherwise he's going to bite a child and he's going to be in really deep trouble.
3: It's a, a life-threatening mm-hmm. for him problem.
2: Yes, it is. It is potentially a life-threatening
3: for him. Not to mention the children he's around.
2: Right, right. So,
3: yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. There's There's no magic wand, as we said. But another thing I like to tell people is be sure that when you go to a training, trainer training, whatever, mm-hmm. that it makes sense what you're told to do. Yes. That the trainer can explain why. Yes. And perhaps warn you about, you know, there's a possibility of an extinction burst when you hit this plateau. Mm-hmm. Or I want you to do this because of that. So that later on you can use that idea, that theory mm-hmm. on another problem. If it doesn't make sense to you, if they can't explain it, then maybe look for another trainer. And by the way, my favorite thing to do to tell people is come observe one of our first week classes and then come back yep. and observe that same group yep. towards the end, the 6th or the 7th week. And can they see that? And then go to another place and do the same thing. So you're looking for progress. But you can see measurable effectiveness of the training. right? Exactly.
2: Both in the dog and the owner.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can remember as a kid watching uh, Barbara Woodhouse. Walkies! And how happy the dog's body language was. They were just, and the owners were hunched over, afraid to move. Very minimal body. And They they would have been lip-licking if they'd thought about it, you know, and yawning. No, I told you to hold the leash that way!
2: (laughs) All right, well, we need to take a break for our sponsors, so hold on. We'll be right back, and we'll talk some more training.
1: That's it. Stay. It's a doggy dog world. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact.
0: Go to PetMeds.com forward slash world, W-O-R-L-D, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com.
1: Whether they're big, small, hairy, or whatever, you're going to need gear for your feet. And Kids Foot Locker's got all the great shoes and gear that'll get you in the game.
0: Go to KidsFootLocker.com and enter the code AFDOG1KF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFDOG2KF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at KidsFootLocker.com. And
1: cover those funky feet.
0: The world has changed. One in five relationships now begin on an online dating site. And while you never know where things will lead, Match.com has led to more dates, more relationships and more marriages than any other site. Join today. Pet Life Radio listeners get 25% off the price of a membership. Just go to mevio.match.com and enter the code DOGGY. D O G G Y. That's M E V I com and enter the code DOGGY to get 25% off match.com. Hi, I'm Angelina. Join me for some great training tips to live a happy, healthy, peaceful life together with your best friend. And by the way, they're not the only ones that
4: learn something
1: new.
0: Join me for Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio.
1: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Hi, this is Zach George, host of Animal Planet Superfetch. Listen to Pet Life Radio. We know you're begging for more. So back to It's a Doggy Dog World with your fetching hosts, Liz Palaika, and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke.
2: Welcome back to It's a Doggy Dog World. We're talking about our favorite subject today, and that's dog training. We've talked about dog training before. We'll talk about it many times again. But one thing you brought up in the first half of the show is is vocabulary. Let's talk a little bit about vocabulary because dog trainers have their own vocabulary. And sometimes I think it sounds like gobbledygook to the students. Sure. And I think it's important that people who train do translate it to, as Petra said, to layman's terms. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what works for. Us, because we can each explain
4: it to a person differently. Mm-hmm. And so when we, it, and it happens to us all the time. Liz will come up and say, okay, Petra, I can't get through that person. You go try. <laughs> right. You know, or right. I'll be saying, okay, hey, I can't get to the other person. You go try.
2: Yeah. You know? Well, and I think sometimes too, hearing it from more than one person just, Repetition, <laughs> repetition. Yeah. Okay. This wasn't a silly thought out of Liz's head. Pedro's saying the same thing, but in a different way. Hmm.
3: Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. kind of like the kid that asks the parent, the, the dad for permission, right. and Gets told no, and asks uh-huh. the mom for permission, and she says, "Because we'll get students that'll ask that us all the all same time, question, right. but at different times." Right. <laughs> and we when get they the get same the same answer, answer.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. About the
3: third time, they're like, "Oh, okay, I guess that is the answer." Yeah.
2: But uh, some of the terms that you can hear dog trainers talk about, well, first of all, behavior. So behavior are all of the things that we do. Behavior can be the dog jumping on people. Behavior can be the dog licking his lips when he's nervous. Behavior can be your puppy Rio, Patriot, grinning. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So behavior is is not good.
3: But it's also sitting At the front door and not lunging out the front door. I mean, it's also good behavior. Good behavior Sitting
2: for petting, coming when called. Mm -hmm. Behavior is any action that we do or our dog does. Mm -hmm. So there's no right or wrong. Behavior doesn't mean something bad. Behavior doesn't mean something good. It's those individual actions that can be good or bad or neutral. But behavior means basically... Things
3: that we do. Just funny, things. I mean, because we change it around to things like, oh, behave. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but they are. Treasure.
2: <laughs> now, another one that dog owners hear from trainers all the time is reinforcement. Probably the most common phrase is positive reinforcement. And positive reinforcements can be food treats, petting. Toys, verbal, voice, voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, hugs. Kate is sitting right here right now hugging <laughs> her dog, Walter. Hugs. Um, Throwing the ball. Positive reinforcements, basically anything the dog likes. Now, how we use those is we use positive reinforcements to make desired behaviors stronger. So if your dog sits and you pet him or he sits and you give him treats, or you talk to him in a nice tone of voice, or all three, pet him, treat him, and talk to him. Mm -hmm. He learns that, okay, when I sit, good things happen. Mm -hmm. So those positive reinforcements are making that behavior stronger. And that increases the likelihood that it's going to happen again in the future. Now, that's not to say he won't jump on you the next time he sees you. But every time good things happen in the sit, then the sit becomes the alternative behavior for jumping on you.
3: There was a a too brief show. I think it was called Super Dog. Uh, And I don't remember the trainer's name. I think it was Zach something. Anyway, he would go from house to house, and people usually had fairly outlandish, complicated behavior chains. There's another (laughs) term for you. Um, That they wanted their dogs to do. And the first question he would ask them, or after he found out, what bizarre thing they wanted their dog to do was, "What is your dog's paycheck?" Ah, uh, well, that's a good—that's a good phrase. So I—I've lo- I, always liked that. Yeah. yeah, finding out what your dog's paycheck is is very helpful. The the bigger the paycheck, the quicker the message. But you don't want to spend, you know, you don't want to give your dog a bonus for every sit. Right. Use them judiciously, but always give them some positive reward for doing the right thing.
2: And the right paycheck varies per dog. I mean Pedro, you've got Teddy, the German shepherd. <laughs> uh, food treats don't work for him. No, no. He
3: no. won't even take them half the time. No.
4: So with him it's it's a tennis ball. Big old boy will just do anything for a tennis ball. Now the other dogs, Aussies, of course, no problem with uh, with treats. So Yeah, different dog, different personality, different paycheck.
2: Sure. The Aussies, we're lucky. <laughs> food is everything. Yeah, <laughs> yep, no problem with them. But also Speaking of Aussies, Cisco, come here. Cisco, come on.
3: But make sure your dog does love it. I mean, I've seen people shoving treats in their dog's mouth. And the dog will kind of go, "Mm, yeah, and swallow it. If you have to open your
2: dog's mouth and place the treat in it, that's not the (laughs) right motivation.
3: That's not really a reward. (laughs) We've seen that. You've seen that, Oh, gosh. I was like, stop. Or how about (laughs) the people that lean down and bang their dog on the top of the head and the dog is looking slightly pained? Yeah.
4: (laughs) It's like, don't you like your dog? Or, good
3: (laughs) boy. (laughs) Pow, (laughs) pow, 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 pow. Walter's like, gosh mom you've lost it (laughs) i'm sorry walter so you know again it's a paycheck it's a reward it's payment and uh it's not a bribe we might use it as a lure at the beginning but that should be faded away and then it becomes a reward afterwards and then the length of time for the reward extends too Mm -hmm. so you know when you're a kid you want your uh two bucks for mowing the lawn is that Am I showing my age? Yeah, (laughs) I think so. (laughs) You want it as soon as you finished. Right. Now we wait two weeks for a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you learn as time goes on for delayed gratification. Right. But it takes a while for that to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's go on to some
2: more vocabulary. One that is hard for a lot of people to understand, I think, a lot of dog owners, but one that dog trainers will mention,
3: and that is negative reinforcement. Okay, so taking something unpleasant away when the desired behavior is performed. And then that the idea is that if it uh, always hurts when you touch the stove, and then when you take your hand off the stove, it doesn't hurt anymore. Gee, that that feels better. <laughs> you probably won't go touching as many stoves as you used to, and that's the idea. But a little
2: while ago, you had a good example about the halty Yes,
3: yeah, so um, in more dog behavior training terms... That's one of the uses of the head halters, is when the dog does something you don't like, you maintain control of the head, pull up. Uh, say they're barking and lunging at another dog. You pull up, take control of their head, have them look at you, and then you have to do that until they relax and do what you want them to do, ideally mm-hmm. is sit or calm down. Then they get control of their head back. That is the positive. So there's a negative consequence to doing bad behavior. Uh, Your head gets pulled up. And then when you relax, good, you get your head back. But ideally, ideally,
2: you'll follow that by teaching the dog what to do and using that positive reinforcement to reinforce the good behavior. If you use the negative reinforcement alone, the learning process can be significantly slower. But if you use the negative reinforcement and then follow that with a teaching moment yes. that has positive reinforcement, then
3: the learning will progress much quicker. If you, When I was learning to play the piano, for a short period of time I went to an institute teacher, and if I hit the wrong note, she would wrap me on the knuckles with a ruler. <laughs> you know, I did not enjoy practicing the piano. I did not look forward to it. No. <laughs> The best I could hope for was the absence of pain. Right. Right. That's the negative reinforcement. I'm sorry, Kate. (laughs) I know. It's no wonder I am as I am right now. But, yeah, so if you want to learn to to do anything, Mm -hmm. and if you want to be able to teach your dog to do anything, you have to look forward to doing it. Right. So is there a place for negative? Yeah, if a dog is trying to rip my face off, I'm going to be a little negative punishment Mm -hmm. and not allow that. Right. But I don't want to stop there. Right. I want to finish up with the dog doing something that goes, okay, I'd like to learn more. Otherwise, you just shut down learning. Okay, that brings up another term that trainers use all the
2: time, aversive. And that's got kind of a bad connotation. A lot of trainers feel that aversive should be avoided. But an aversive, there's a whole range. An aversive can be your voice going "ah," mm-hmm. when the dog is sticking his nose in the hot oven when you open it. An aversive can be using the leash to stop the dog from jumping on another dog. There's a whole range of aversives, and I think sometimes it gets a bad reputation that aversives are always painful or are always bad things and yes they can be certainly we don't advocate hitting your dog or choking your dog or or yanking the leash so hard your dog does somersaults that's not good training but an aversive can interrupt behaviors that
3: you don't want and that can definitely be a part of that's definitely a part of learning yeah i mean again if a stove is hot and you touch it you get an aversive right But that teaches you to be more careful around stoves. Avoid a hot stove. Avoid a hot stove. (laughs) And then with experience, you learn how to tell Mm -hmm. and narrow. Don't grab that bee because it's going to sting you. Right. (laughs) But um, to never use any kind of adversive, I don't think, I think that's lying to the dog again. Right. Because life is full of adversives. Sure. It's full of hot stoves. It's full of car wheels that go around real fast and smash you. Right. um bees that sting you bees that sting you there are things that are going to happen right that your dog needs to be able to learn when i okay well mother
4: nature teaches it i mean sure. if you look at wolf packs coyotes whatever um you know they know out there what in what montana people they avoid people because they're dangerous they carry guns right it's just um, smart <laughs> yeah yeah oh for like my dog keely who got stung by a bee now she's Worried about bees, flies, and anything else that flies around yeah. insect
3: wise because oh, it's around. But it's, it's a life saving thing for her yes. to pay attention to yes, that. Yes, it is. Right. So it but you, be they can too. be taught also to learn that an adversive is communication.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, when I first got my Roddy and she was starved and beaten and all that, um, I didn't, an adversive was just looking at her sideways and going, ah, and she went, oh God, I'll never do that again and write it down. But now, seven years later, she does something wrong, I can say, "Uh uh-uh, knock that off. And she's like, okay, I won't do that again. She has learned that that's communication of information of something I don't want. And she doesn't fall apart. That took me a while to be able to use a strong adversive, And sometimes I think I've gained her confidence, built up her confidence to the degree that I've sometimes have to use a stronger voice. (laughs) But on the other hand, my little boy, Walter, I think he hears, you know, 200 adversives a day because he needs that. <laughs> really? I can't go that through that door? How about this one? How about this one? How about that one? How about that one? <laughs> and he knows it's communication. And he also knows when it reaches the point where I'm about to strangle him. He can hear the difference in my voice. Well, <laughs>
2: strangling isn't a verse if we don't
3: recommend, <laughs> we don't recommend either.
2: This is a figure
3: of speech. <laughs> I do tend to get carried away with my speech, like the day I looked down at him in a park and I said, you just keep in mind you're microwavable, and this lady looked, oh, if looks could kill. Or she wasn't looking at my dog, it was sitting there wagging his tail at me going, hi. Yeah. No, I do not recommend microwaving your dog.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think you speech.
3: But it is, so... I i hope to have people call and say, cause I'm looking for a positive trainer. And that's another terminology. Right. You mm-hmm. say, well, I am not purely positive. We are not purely positive at Kindred Spirits. What are you looking for? Well, you know, I've been here and tried this and done that, and it hasn't worked. Okay. What got me on another rant and rave was going to what I thought was going to be a seminar on a dog sport, which turned out to be a two-hour p- promotion of purely positive clicker training. And that's a whole nother subject that I can get hot on. Why did clicker training become purely positive? I can use a clicker, and I have for certain occasions, but... um, A clicker is a tool. it's, It's a tool. Just like any other. It's not purely positive in and of itself. It's how you use it. Right. But they proceeded to tell me during this couple of hours, they didn't know that I was a trainer, how awful it is to ever tell your dog no, that you will squash their spirit that they will never offer any innovative stuff. And of course, I'm thinking back to my Roddy. So with enough confidence, I can give her adversives and she can learn to make good decisions and still offer me more. Mm -hmm. And then when it came time for the demonstrations, their dogs wouldn't work because they were distracted and they had no way to tell them, "Uh uh-uh, that's wrong behavior, do this. They waited it out, and the dogs didn't change their minds, so they put them away. And then, who did they borrow? Walter. Yes. They took the dog that hears (laughs) 100 and verse of a day and asked him to come up and offer some new behavior, and he did about 15 or 20 of them. The other thing was looking around the class. There were six of us there. They had a station 10 feet apart, and we had to walk slowly if we walked past another dog, because... (laughs) There was no uh at all to be allowed. So I was doing them very quietly under my breath, Walter. Uh. Um,
4: and that's but, not, I'm sorry, but that's not life. That's not life. Life is you take your dog for a walk. You're going to pass another dog, you know, three, four feet from each other. You walk a fast pace or a slow pace.
2: I think that leads up to something else we were talking about, Kate, and that is have high expectations for your dog. Oh, my gosh, yes. Expect the best from your dog if you set low expectations as was in this seminar which is a shame that a seminar set these low expectations yeah.
3: mm-hmm. oh with crates too by the way eight to ten feet apart and your dogs must be in a crate unless you're actively working with them
4: yeah. we I, I know i use that a lot in class when people go oh my dog won't do that well i'm like please Dog, give your dog some credit. Trust him. Let's try it, and all of a sudden it happens, and they go, "Oh my gosh! I didn't think he could." Well, no. he's not nothing. A dumb
3: rock. Nothing's he holding had, that dog back except his owner. Exactly.
2: Right. Have high expectations, and I think, and we're going to have to draw this podcast to a close. But I think the the other thing that I I'd like to impress upon everyone is that. Yes, there are a few dogs who are emotionally fragile, and Gina certainly was when you first adopted her. She was severely abused, and she was very fragile emotionally. But for the most part, our dogs are not. They can take an interruption. They can take a, ah, get your nose out of the trash can, without thinking that we're absolutely horrible owners and without thinking that their world is coming to an end. And now, I'm certainly not promoting rough training right? and hitting or choking or anything like that,
3: but... But see how defensive we get when we oh, start yeah. talking about it? Yeah, it is. It's
2: very easy they, to get defensive.
3: The, the purely positive have captured the positive words to use about dog training. Right, mm, right. And they're so snide yep. about the other stuff. I was like, there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: on that note I think we'll call it a night. <laughs> Hopefully at least we've given you something to think about. Whether you agree with us or not, <laughs> we've given you something to think about.
3: <laughs> and The next time you see a dog walking nicely with a human down the street, ask them where they got the training. And tell exactly. them good job. word tell of mouth good is job. the best referral. Yeah. Yep. And then you do that enough you'll find the trainer in your area who's effective. Right.
2: But don't be afraid to go and watch a class. Yep. In fact we suggest it for everyone. And on that note, we'll call it quits. Good night.
1: Bye-bye. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.